0: Hello and welcome to Life-Changing Science, the BioBuilder Podcast. I'm your host, Zishan, and today's guest is the amazing Rebecca Ravjiala. Rebecca is an award-winning teacher who currently teaches biology and advanced placement biology at Tinsborough High School in Tinsboro, Massachusetts. She holds a BA in biology and a doctorate in mathematics and science education. She's been actively involved in the BioBuilder community since 2011, leading a BioBuilder club and serving as a member of its board of directors. She's the recipient of the Amgen Award for Science Teaching Excellence. This award recognizes extraordinary teachers at the kindergarten through 12th grade level who have an outstanding ability to inspire students and produce results in science education. And that is why I am so excited to dive right into this episode. So the first question I want to ask you is the very first BioBuilder workshop that was held at MIT back in 2011. Mm -hmm. Um, Was it even called BioBuilder back then? How did this idea come about? Um, where, Where did this idea begin of some sort of biotech workshop to be held for I presume it was college students?
1: So it's interesting. At the time I was I think in my 14th year of teaching And I don't know about other teachers, but I was feeling uh, at that time very stagnant. (laughs) Actually went to one of my colleagues and I said, "I'm pretty boring as a teacher," <laughs> and she was like, "Okay, well, I got a class to teach, so <laughs> we can't dive into that right now." So um, I said, "Okay, well, you know what? Let's just, you know, clear clear my mind. Let's go. You know, summer's fast approaching." So I got online and they had like, you know, little blogs at the time for AP biology teachers, and there was this message that said, you know come to MIT, uh, learn about synthetic biology. Do you like biology? Are you interested in engineering? You know, here's a one-week workshop. And I was like, okay, well, so I signed up for it and I pressed, you know, the registration and it, off it went uh, into cyberspace. And then I sat back and I said, what's synthetic biology? What did I just sign up to do? Like, what are, are we building? Hu- like, what? Are, what's going on? I was very confused. Um, but I thought, you know, it's MIT, so it can't be bad, right? Um, so, <laughs> I attended the workshop. It's a week-long workshop, and um, I I I think it actually came about from um, they have these like research experience for teachers programs, um, you know, all across the country, as far as I know. Um, And I participated in uh, several at MIT um, in past years, and several at Harvard. Um, So I think it sort of emerged from that experience uh, with another teacher. I think uh, Jim Dixon um, was, uh, you know, was sort of helping out. Um, um, but I think the idea was to give teachers an opportunity to, to think about how engineering and this iterative cycle, you know, of design, build and test can be applied to biology. Um, and so, you know, so it's not necessarily bioengineering, but it was this like, and it's not necessarily biotechnology and it's not necessarily molecular biology, but it's sort of this like confluence of, of those three things. Um, And so, uh, so when I went to the workshop, I mean, I think there were like 25 of us there um, from some from California, Illinois, um, a lot of folks from New England area with a lot of different experiences. And I think there were a couple of graduate students as well. Um, So, so it was, a pretty wide, um, you know, uh, pretty broad in terms of like the, the the type of person who was attending and what their experiences were. And I have to say, I didn't understand what was going on until maybe Thursday. <laughs> so, and I think the struggle for me was just the language. Like I had never, you know, I mean, yeah, I've heard of like promoters and ribosome binding sites and, but I never really saw sort of the the symbols like how those symbols relate to these parts and like what are parts and how are these parts that she's talking about going to build a device and what what's a device and what is this input output thing it was like a totally different experience um a learning experience for me and so i left the i left the workshop actually I think it was the last day of the workshop. They had Natalie invited some folks from Igem from the Igem headquarters. We actually went to visit um, uh, as well, and and they were talking and they were like, "Oh, you can have a high school program," and I was like, "Oh, that sounds interesting." And then I was like, "There's no way I'm going to be able to do that. Like this is this is crazy." Um, and so I raised my hand and I was like, "So what do you think? Like somebody who has zero experience." in synthetic biology like what is the likelihood that this is going to like be successful and they were like you should just give it a try like just you know just jump and for me i'm pretty i'm a pretty planner <laughs> i need to know what's going to happen i need to anticipate for things and so that kind of like gray um just was and of course i was like in the clouds for like you know the whole week cuz i had no like you know it was totally new and i thought well i might as well just give it a shot. Um, And so that's how the iGEM high school program started at our high school. um, And that's kind of where it landed for me. Um, And then the following summer, Natalie ran like a master biobuilder program for this like teachers training teachers. Um, So it was that sort of uh, next level. So rather than have Natalie teaching all the time, (laughs) she had people who could then teach other teachers in this really wonderful, uh, wonderful way. That was
0: that. <laughs> this, is, this is great. I, I love how, you know, just one experience, it's like a domino effect, just leads to ten more yeah. things.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. I love that you say that. It's like doors opening. It's so, it's so true. Um, because... Those of you didn't
0: know that existed. I think yeah, that's
1: the cool I, part. And that is the cool part. And I think that's the serendipitous part of it. Like, I didn't go out seeking this program. Like, it just sort of fell in my lap. So, you know, the the stars were aligned in some way. Like, you know, and it brought me to that moment. And I, you know, and I think it was a defining moment for me um, as a teacher that, you know, I don't have to be a boring teacher. <laughs> you know, it can be exciting and it can be transformative for both teachers and students. Um, so it's just a... It's a different approach, Um, and I think Natalie is very good at figuring out what the gaps are and what the obstacles are, and she targets those and and makes things happen. Um, So, yeah, and so I I I also want to interject too that you know, professional developments for science teachers, I mean, I can, because I can only speak for science teachers, um, and me in particular, but um, they're pretty boring, like 95% are boring and a waste of time and a waste of money. Um, And so when you are a teacher, and you have, you know, the summer um, to, uh, uh, right, so a lot of people are like, oh, you get the summers off. It's not really the summer off, (laughs) right? It's about thinking about what happened during the year, what at what activities worked? What lessons worked? What didn't work? Why didn't they work? How can I change it? How can I be better? What can I do to build my knowledge? What can I build? What can I do to build my skills um, over the summer? And so, you know, selecting professional development programs—they um, better be worth my while because um, I have a lot of other stuff going on. Um, and um, and so, this professional development opportunity was all-star. Um, and so, yeah, um, I can't say m- m- enough about it.
0: What was the but, workshop called? The teaching? What's the official yeah, name? It was like
1: a... I don't remember. Mean, I think it was yeah, I think a biology a... for teachers or something yeah. something like that. Yeah,
0: exactly. And you mentioned that before that you were feeling a bit stagnant. Yes. Um, and I guess, did you feel the curriculum and the way it was taught as and as well as the, the way teachers were trained and how the teachers and students were engaging with the curriculum and the content? Did you feel yeah. all of that? seemed like wasn't really going somewhere there was no progress there was no innovation
1: yes I felt and sometimes I still do feel like you know a hamster on a wheel You know, I am not gonna say like you know (laughs) everything is perfect. In fact, who I was talking to, um, our biobuilder team uh, is working on this project for like the last three years, and they interviewed a um, an entomologist um, for their for their work. And I said, "Wow, your job seems so cool. You get to go to Africa and like put nets up and capture mosquitoes, and like that's really cool." And he said, "Yeah, that's really cool, but you know, the other fifty percent of the time, it's pretty boring." And I. I was like oh okay so that gives me so some <laughs> you know um you know it that it, it's kind of refreshing uh to know but um but yeah for sure at the time I you know landed on this workshop I yeah it was I don't know if it was the so I grew up in the 80s and the way that I was taught is the way that I taught and it was um Go home, read this chapter, and then tomorrow I'll write notes on the chalkboard and tell you what you read, and then read the next section, and then the next day I'll write the chalk. Choc- it was like this. There was no context. It was just, like, very teacher-directed, not to say that, you know, Teacher-directed instruction is not important, and there is definitely a you know um, a, a space for that. Um, but it was every day, and maybe once in like a blue moon we had like oh here let's take out the microscopes, and I was like oh my gosh. So I didn't. So I I knew when I was in high school that the actual actions, like the activities, the doing of science, even if it was just looking at a microscope slide, um, was something that was more interesting to me than hearing. Um, I, I, you know, information. Um, and sadly, I think, you know, programs, teaching programs around the country, um, are all very different. Um, and so it depends on which program you, you go, uh, you know, go, go through. Um, my program was, was fine. Um, you know, I, uh, but I don't think it was, um, transformative. <laughs> you know, I think it was very, predictable um, you know so here is your here is your lesson plan you know write your notes on the board have them fill in a you know fill in the blanks give them you know five questions for homework and so that's how I entered the field of teaching and that's how I taught for I don't know probably, I want to say about maybe eight years, um, six six to eight years, um, and then um, yeah, I went to uh, UMass Lowell for their um, uh, doctoral program in education, math, mathematics and science education, uh, and that's where I learned about philosophy of education and like you know what are sort of you know what is sort of the cognitive like what's happening cognitively to students you know um, and so that was helpful but even that uh you know I I felt stuck in this curriculum where you you come in you tell kids to do something and then you leave and and that's sad <laughs>
0: Look, looking back in my high school experience it was it was exactly what you're what you're describing I mean I had great teachers and great friends yeah,
1: yeah. but
0: I guess the curriculum it was just such an accepted form of teaching yeah for 40 years right and I guess yes. that's the sort of the stagnant part even though like you know it, every school operates differently mm-hmm. but I think <clears throat> the philosophy behind teaching has been been quite similar and yeah I, nev- I never really realized it until I heard about Bible, though, like a few years ago And uh, I've told Andy this multiple times. I. I I wish I could go back to high school. I never thought I'd say that
1: because, like the the opportunity, like I didn't know about biotechnology until 1993 when I was in I was a junior in college. I was doing an internship at the National Institutes of Health, and I was in um, this lab space, um, and you know, doing like the actual DNA extractions and the mini preps and the uh, the uh, the gel electrophoresis. Like I was doing all of the biotech with a purpose. And I was like, "Gee!" And I thought this was totally new. Um, but it turns out it's not. To- it wasn't totally new. I just didn't have any instruction. No, I, nobody told me about any of this. And so, students now they have that opportunity. Um, you know, to to know about biotechnology. It's out there, right? It's it's on social media. Like, this is not something that's like you know it's hidden from them anymore. The struggle, or I think the obstacle for for most students um, and teachers, is just I think is financial, um, you know, in one regard. And when we started, when I jumped in and said I'm gonna have an iGem team, right? Um, we had nothing. There were no gel boxes. There were no pipettes. There were no tips. There was no agarose. There was no. There was. We had nothing. Um, and so we borrowed. We got donations from you know uh, parents of students. Who worked in pharma, uh, you know, pharmaceutical industry, at um, you know, and at biotech firms that were like throwing out all of their pipettes because um, they don't need them. Um, and I was like, I'll take it, I'll take it. Like, so we had a little metal cart that was our iGem cart. Um, so, we-
0: sorry to interrupt. So, yes. was iGem right? was before or after the BioBuilder Club? Uh,
1: iGEM was before, yeah. So, um, okay. so iGEM, so so that's was... actually really interesting just to make the leap to the BioBuilder Club. We were totally invested in iGEM. Um, and even though we had no money and we were no, not funded, we baked cookies and sold them at uh, gas stations. We set up a Sciences Elementary um, uh, event for, for kids to spend like five dollars and and all of our uh all of the team members set up a little station um around the elementary school auditorium with little science experiments for the kids to do and so we made money that way so we could purchase material uh we didn't have a um a centrifuge so we got a salad spinner to do the it it does no
0: way really it
1: doesn't work. <laughs> so just, it doesn't just, work okay
0: because okay. if that worked work. I was like wow <laughs> <laughs>
1: um and but we, but we tried you know um yeah so so that was the iGEM experience and um I think two years after so I think around 2013 um iGEM re Sort of restructured, like when the um, uh, when the teams would be presenting. So they went from sometime in April, I want to say, to September, and I was like, "How is high school team going to present their work um, when they have no access to the building over the summertime?" So logistically, it wasn't a good fit. And and I know there are some schools that are you know open all year. Like it fits for some schools, um, but it didn't for Tingsboro. Um, The other thing that really was became problematic was that we had this deficiency in material and equipment, but now we were also um, we also had to pay a pretty hefty fee um, to participate. But then, if we wanted to actually go, we had to pay another fee per person. And I said, "We, we, our school is like 400 kids. Like, we're not. I'm there's there is no. I can't imagine how many cookies we would have to bake to make that amount of money. <laughs> so, as I said before, Natalie is very good at. Seeing where the obstacles are um, and filling in those gaps and making it easier um, for uh, for people who are interested in an iGem type of experience but not iGem specifically. Um, so that's when she developed the BioBuilder Club. So um, and there are benefits to both, um, uh, but the one thing that I think you know, drew us to BioBuilder is it was, I think it was free for the first couple of years and then it was like $50 to participate. Um, so it was very affordable. Um, the other thing is that there were no winners, right? Nobody got a trophy. Everybody got a trophy. Every, it was a celebration of your work. So you weren't expected um, to go through the entire design build test cycle wherever your team landed was what they were able to present um and they and so I think that was really great, too, um, because not all teams have access to materials and equipment, so they can only get to the design part. But there's something to be said for the design part. Can you argue for your design? Like, why is this better than another design? Um, So there's a lot. There are a lot of sort of layers, um, I think, and a lot of opportunity to do some technical writing, um, which has happened in the past, I think I want to say like four or five years, um, the sort of partnership with Biotrek.
0: it's so cool!
1: Oh my gosh, it's the best thing ever. I it's, love it. Yeah, they're the projects that students come up with is amazing, um, and their mentorships and their edit- editing staff and the way that they actually communicate with students and me, right? The the advisor. It's just it's just wonderful, um, and and it gives students who are interested in maybe so. So let me say for for my team, uh, we have it structured. So there's a president, a vice president. We have a treasurer and like a, a director of communications. So we have it kind of organized so that everybody has their, their roles to fulfill. But it's also open. Um, so at the beginning of the year, we might start off with like 15 people. Um, and then by the winter, we're down to like eight. And then after winter sports, maybe we're back up a little bit, right? So there's always people coming and going. Um, and so if you are really, invested in sort of the skills part, then you'll stick around for like the lab stuff. If you're really interested in like going into this field and learning how to write technically, then you're going to stick around for the entire year. Um, so so again, it just, I don't know, it, it, BioBuilder Club is, uh, for us, is very flexible. Um, and so that flexibility is really important because the kids who are on my team are also on student council and they're also, you know, on the yearbook staff and they also play like three sports. Um, they have a job, right? And they have to walk the dog too. So, and take out the garbage. So they have responsibilities <laughs> beyond BioBuilder. Um, and so, yeah, making it flexible, I think is, uh, is really important. And I know some schools can sort of carve out BioBuilder into their everyday. Um, so in into their daily schedule, we don't have a school that can accommodate that. Um, So it's always after school, sometimes before school. When we first started doing this in 2011, 2012, um, we would have like 6.30 a.m. meetings um, to accommodate the kids who had sports in the afternoon. So we would have like three meetings a week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, um, to accommodate everybody. Um, So it was a, it was a big job and I was doing it all. Um, And then COVID hit and in 2020 and the team, I emailed them all when we were all like isolated. Um, And I said, do you guys still want to write this paper? And they were like, yes, we still want to write this paper. So we did the paper. And then the next year we started school two weeks later um, so that they, you know, we could get, teachers could get like the, I don't know, like fast track to online learning. I don't know. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, And I cried every day. And I said... You're making me teach AP bio in this, and you're, and then I had to teach two new courses, forensics and marine biology, which I'd never taught before, plus a regular bio class, and and I said to my team, I'm like, I can't do BioBuilder Club. I There's no way I'm going to be able to fit this in, and how are we even going to do anything, right? We can't even, you're only here two days a week. Um, like, how is that going to work? And they were like, we can make it happen, and the president of our club, Yesenia Collins, who is a, a gem, um, she's like, I'll do it all. Don't worry. And I was like, okay you do it all I'll just be here to support and guide and get you what you need and sure enough they they did it They we bought like steam distillation apparatus they extracted limonene from oranges our administration was so supportive they let us stay after school we had to be out by five because they had to like decontaminate the school but um, for three hours we sat and we watched like the drip drip of this uh, limonene oil like it was and it was amazing and I, I tell Natalie, this all the time. I'm like, if it wasn't for Biobuilder, like I don't know. I don't know. It would like it made the year a normal year, even though it was completely abnormal. So yeah.
0: That's that's an enormous impact because I think all of us are still recovering
1: yes, <laughs> from
0: 2020 sure. and living in you know in a new normal and having you know Biobuilder where obviously they it's so difficult to teach mm-hmm.
1: biotech
0: to you know people just finishing up high school and even university. It's yeah. uh, such a stressful time in the first place. Yeah. And just having that ability for Bible because I know that there's so many new online initiatives that came about uh during that year uh spearheaded by Bibleor. Sometimes I'm like if Bibleor wasn't there, what what I know. would have happened? Like um I don't
1: know. we would just have been more isolated. And I yeah. it definitely yeah. was a community uh, like I don't know, it was really nice for the kids to be able to come in, eat out of their cohorts. Like they let us come in on a Wednesday afternoon um, outside of their cohorts. I mean, we still had to like distance and do all of this stuff. and But just to see each other and like be with other humans and you know, it uh, was really, really helpful.
0: I also read that uh, c- coming back to like the hybrid learning,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, Bible has like this two week session that they've introduced. Uh, I think it was just this summer. I'm not mistaken, where like workshops in a f- flexible format with like self-paced lectures and readings yeah. and assignments, and I'm like, oh, this is like an online course in terms of like how Coursera and EdX, and I was like, oh, future Bible to Coursera where anyone can learn to understand what synthetic biology is as well as learn how to teach it, whether you're in high school or university. Three to five years from now, I guess, <clears throat> I guess that hybrid format will become more and more prevalent.
1: I I think so. I think the one good thing that came out of this whole crazy 2020 year um, was this ability to be able to teach in that hybrid model um, and so still stay connected with folks. Um, last summer was the first summer that um, Natalie rolled out the, you know, the asynchronous and synchronous components. Um, so it was... I think it was pretty hard for BioBuilder to kind of have to pivot. Like we had to meet and say, okay, what what's going to happen here? Because we don't want BioBuilder to just sort of disappear, right? Um, because it, it's, it has, you know, ha- such a great track record and it ha- is making such great progress. Um, so how, what can we do to, you know, get people to, you know, to still... You know, join us um, and and do it in a way that's accessible to people. Um, so I think out of that came this uh, this really awesome model. so and and it's and it's helpful because, Like you said, teachers can, you know, learn on their own. They can learn at their own pace. Um, It's all, you know, um, on the same. I think we're doing like 360 learning, learning 360, something like that, whatever the platform is. And, you know, they pose questions. Natalie and I can answer those questions. We can direct them to other places. So it's still, they're communicating with us and with each other um, just at their own pace. Um, And then the other great benefit and I was thinking about this last year when we, uh, when we rolled this out. Um, I told Natalie, I was like, you know, the best thing about this is that teachers can be in their own schools, in their own classrooms and do the lab with their own equipment, it's wonderful being at MIT. Don't get me wrong, and using all that like fancy, smanchy like materials, right? Um, but I don't have any of that stuff. Um, so what am I going to use, you know, um, in place of that? So it gives teachers an opportunity to run through. The lab before they actually roll it out to their students. Um, so in uh, so in July they'll be you know going to the chemistry department and you know do you have those stir magnetic stir plates and you know where am I going to find this you know two 200- hundred four 250 milliliter flasks and where am I going to find, you know, X materials so that in October they can say, okay, I got the material here, here, here and here. So it just it streamlines the experience for them um, when they're doing it with their students um, as well. And, you know, and to that point, I still hear from some past participants, um, you know, if they have questions, um, like we had a, um, a teacher, uh, I think around March or April, who was doing Oh That Smell with her students. And she needed just some, you know, some, she had some specific questions, you know, how, you know, how much do you put here? For, you know, how, how do you set up your groups? And, you know, when you're doing it. And so one of the things about the BioBuilder Professional Development is their post-workshop support. Um, there are no, I, to my knowledge, there are no other professional development programs that say they might say, "Hey, you know, if you want to reach out to us, here's our email." But when you email, it's crickets, right? They don't respond. Um, but with Natalie. She does. Or she says, hey, you know, I know, you know, Joanne Purdy can maybe answer this question or maybe you want to reach out to Lindsay LaCuire um, because she might have some, you know, some something or maybe talk to Rebecca about this. So, again, back to that, you know, the beginning of our, uh, our of our session here. Right. It's like she is the captain of the ship and then she has deployed others to answer those questions because we are on the front lines right so we are actually interacting with the content with students um on a daily basis so we're kind of the best people to go to for answers that are technical
0: this might be a broad question and if we have time i'm just gonna just gonna quickly ask it it's it's a bit open-ended but what is sort of your you know you have been in teaching for so many years now and (laughs) (laughs) what is your philosophy now when developing i guess a Biotech curriculum, how do you also, because it's important to understand what are the gaps in current high school curriculum, Mm -hmm. how do we fill them, but how do we also, Mm. um, as I mentioned before, biotech itself as a field is just accelerating so much, Um, how do we keep students up to date with that, and I guess one of the goals will also be how do you prepare them for a career in in STEM and in research, Mm -hmm. Um, and also in industry moving, moving like outside of Bibuilder and outside of high school, Um, I think I asked seven questions in once.
1: I think you did. (laughs) We'll see what I can do. Sorry.
0: We need a round two of this podcast.
1: Um, I think um, the first part of this is the idea of getting students exposed. So exposure to what's out there, right? Again, back to 1986 when I was sitting in my biology classroom writing notes from a chalkboard and falling asleep, right? That is very different from today. Um, I can't imagine, you know, having my kid in a classroom for 68 minutes and just writing notes for 68 minutes. Like that's boring. And I know some people would say that it's not boring. Um, so I like to, I like to design my lessons um, on what I call like a 20 20, 20, 20, right? So we have 60, 68 minute classes. So 20 minutes at the beginning for uh, introducing a topic, uh, the topic of the day, the objective of the day. Um, It could be like, I don't know, like a pre-assessment. It could be a couple of notes. It could be a diagram, something Uh, the middle chunk of the class is dedicated to some kind of activity, uh, whatever that activity is. It could be a lab, it could be a quick demonstration, it could be modeling. I know that, you know, in biology, there's, uh, you know, a lot of the content is abstract Um, and so, you know, Natalie and I talk about, you know, Miss Frizzle all the time so if I was Miss Frizzle and could like take the magic school bus and like zoom everybody into a cell and look at the endomembrane system, isn't it wonderful? um, I would be able to do that but i can't so i use a lot of like um i use a lot of play-doh in my classroom um we do uh, we have chalk markers they write on their desks um they rotate through and give suggestions i i feel like you know and i think fundamentally um that kind of speaks to my philosophy of uh of education which is i i'd like to say okay so in ecology, they have something called, uh, there's something called the fundamental versus the realized niche. The fundamental niche is the environment where a particular species can, uh, can live and flourish, right? But the realized niche is the actual environment that they occupy. So fundamentally, <laughs> I believe I am a constructivist teacher. I'd like to take that approach, that students actively construct meaning from their experiences, that you know learning is socially mediated, um, that their uh, prior knowledge has a tremendous influence um, on on what they learn and how they learn. Um, realistically, do I do that every day? I mean, I try, I'm a work in progress. Um, you know, and I, I attempt to do that and that's sort of like my, my vision. <laughs> um, but I, I, but I for sure in, you know, in 2011, after 14 years of teaching, did not have that perspective um, and did not and, and was just sort of like on the precipice um, of, you know, exploring what that looks like in a classroom. Um, BioBuilder literally embodies that constructivist model. So if I was to place like a philosophy of education you know, on BioBuilder, it would be constructivism. Um, so she understands that it ha- you have to be actively engaged in things. One of my favorite um, lessons during the year is um, I, I developed this kinesthetic um, sort of role playing of like the light reactions for photosynthesis. So every kid gets a job to do. You're hydrogen ion. Where are you supposed to be? You're the water molecule that gets to split. You're photosystem one. Miss Rav is the sun. Obviously. Um, So I'm sort of, you know, sort of making sure all of this, all of this machinery, all of these mechanisms um, are are taking place. So, um, you know, being actively engaged, whether it's, you know, symbolically or kinesthetically or theoretically or physically, like uh, that's important for students to experience so that they can then apply that outside of the classroom. And to your point, you know, after the exposure uh, to biotechnology and those possibilities, You know, that that sort of lends itself to excitement. And when you're excited about something, um, you're more apt to want to pursue it. And when you pursue it, now we have you in the pipeline. Um, And I think that, you know, the vision for like BioBuilder, you know, beyond, uh, you know, uh, BioBuilder and beyond. Right. Like uh, I feel like I'm in Toy Story um, is kind of like, you know, what are we going to do for the workforce? right? It's not just about, you know, exposing kids, but making them excited enough that they want to actually do this for a living. Um, And, you know, like you said, if I had known about biotechnology when I was in 10th grade, I would be in that field.
0: Thanks once again to Rebecca for joining me today. What I found really insightful and also very inspiring from today's episode, was Rebecca's comments on how she developed her teaching philosophy. She realized that the way she was teaching when she began her career was the same as she was taught back in the 80s. It was very predictable and a little boring. And this realization made her realize that a transformative change was needed in the curriculum and step by step, she was able to implement these changes with BioBuilder and pave the way for even more innovative teaching methods in high school biology. I believe this episode will be useful for anyone interested in learning more about the philosophy of how Biobuilder develops its curriculum and Biobuilder's role in the future of biotech education. If you would like to learn more about anything Rebecca and I discussed today, please refer to the show notes. Join me for the next Biobuilder podcast. We'll welcome another wonderful guest whose career has been influenced by Biobuilder's life-changing science. See you next time.